And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, a partner and attorney at the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. To learn more about us, go to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call 312-726-1243. Today's program will be of great interest to any church member, church elder, or pastor in terms of thinking about how do we prepare for crisis communications. We never know what may be around the corner. Uh, scandals, uh, crisis, and we're going to talk to an expert today, Tom Soselka, the founder and president of TC Public Relations, a company that specializes in crisis communications, media relations, social media strategy for churches, ministries, and nonprofit organizations. Tom, welcome to our show. Oh, thank you, John. And, and we say crisis and we think about a lot of different things, but what is a crisis, and how do we then uh, communicate? What's a church crisis? Yeah, well, the church crisis, you just have to look at the news, and you see it happening every day. The church crisis could be the founding pastor of a 30-year-old mega church uh, uh, being found guilty of sexual impropriety or uh, financial misconduct. Uh, it could be a, a, an international uh, denomination uh, that has to get together, uh, literally leaders from around the world to, to gather um, to talk about a crisis of sexual abuse of uh, uh, ministers with children. Uh, it could be a, a simple case that uh, you have child care and uh, uh, the child has uh, in the school or in the a Sunday school has gotten hurt. And now the child decides to sue because of negligence on the behalf of, on behalf of because of uh, volunteers working in perhaps the Sunday school ministry. Well, we've we've heard of a lot of crises, but I, I, I observe that often the church or the church leaders are in denial and they just say, well, we'll let it pass and it'll blow over. Is that a good, appropriate strategy? No. <laughs> because? Because it's no, because uh, if it's a genuine crisis and they think it's going to blow over and they think that they're going to simply uh, receive forgiveness from the congregation, that's, that's certainly not the way it works today, uh, particularly where every uh, a member of the congregation or anyone who's attended that church now has a uh, literally a microphone uh, and, and platform via uh, social media and online uh, chats and other places like that to air their, their grievance uh, because something has not been uh, disclosed publicly, has not been addressed publicly, and the leadership has not taken ownership of the sin. And and so then the message is going to get around. Absolutely. Even if only the board knows about it, somebody's going to leak right? or somebody else is going to bring it up and then there's going to be uh, perhaps anger. Have you seen that if there, if a congregation isn't told what's happening? Absolutely. You know, we, you know, for example, uh, you know, we saw this matter at the, the Moody Bible Institute with their leadership uh, in the last couple of years 
where you know you have the uh, the students, the faculty, and others become very upset because of what was not made public. And I think what churches uh, need to realize is there are several uh, audiences or stakeholders. You know, first of all, you're talking about the leadership, board of elders, the deacons, the deaconesses, the volunteers, uh, the regular attendees, and certainly people who are are planning to visit. And all those people are potential audiences with with different needs as far as what message you give to them after a crisis. Well, I think a lot of leaders would say the crisis is our job to handle and we're to govern the church. And that's what the Bible says, that we're to be the overseers, not have this sort of democracy and, and vote by tweeting and, and people posting on on Facebook, people talking about stuff where they don't know all the details. So uh, what's unbiblical about that way of thinking? Well, you're right. The, the body of Christ certainly wants to be uh, transparent and at the same time, not to allow its members, which perhaps have shamed the congregation, uh, to be made public. But on the other hand, uh, knowing that uh, these things do happen, they need to have something uh, available to monitor that. So, for example, as a practical matter, uh, a lot of folks just simply set up a Google alert to know what is being said about the church in case something comes out so they can be ready to address it. Uh, in some cases, congregations will spend money on a monthly service to kind of do a deep dive of what's being said about them online and social media, whatever platform that might be, so that they're at least aware of what's being said and they can measure it. Because the response to the crisis isn't just keeping it among the leadership, it's measuring what's happening out uh, you know, among uh, uh, the, the sheep, so to speak. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk, partner of the law firm Malk & Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. You can listen to some great podcasts, and you can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter. We're speaking with Tom Soselka of TC Public Relations about the questions that are need to be asked when there's a crisis. What do the members do? What do the leaders do? Uh, do you talk to the lawyer first or you talk to the PR guy first, Tom? I mean, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Well, you talk to both of them, right? You know, and, and that's a constant struggle between the attorneys who typically want to keep things tight. That's right. We tell them, shut up. Right. Anything you say can and will be used against you. Absolutely. especially And, and you, you tell them, fess up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think because I work with lawyers and I've worked with you in the past, John, uh, I understand both sides of, of, of the matter. And that being that, yes, the lawyers are thinking about potential litigation and what you can say in the press uh, can and might be used against you. On the other hand, um, uh, as a public relations professional, we know that those who pull off the Band-Aid slowly often ex uh, experience more pain in the court of public opinion. So it's a matter of balancing the court of law and the court of public opinion in doing what's right for the church and its members. So the first step a church should take uh, when there is a crisis is to call both right. and put together a team and a plan. Is that is that what you're saying? Uh, yes, However, I would say there's three things to keep in mind when it comes to crisis communications, and I call them a, a bronze plan, a silver plan, and a gold plan. The bronze plan is what you described, John, is that you have someone in your on your phone, in your contact list, and you go, okay, here's my lawyer when something bad happens, and here's my 
a board member, a public relations consultant, uh, maybe in-house marketing person, I'm going to call the moment something happens. That's your bronze plan. You at least have somebody in your database. The silver plan is you anticipate what's going to happen. Uh, for churches to put their head under a rock and think, well, we're not going to have a sexual abuse scandal, uh, nobody's going to get hurt on our premises, uh, that uh, there isn't going to be some bad rumors going around about our leadership, is to be naive. Uh, they certainly can read the news and see what's going on. So they can certainly plan for potential crisis that can happen in their church. And then certainly the gold okay. plan is— Well, let's stop. That's that's a react—the uh, the first one, the Browns plan, is reactive. Correct. We haven't thought about it, but uh, let's scramble. The second one is to think about it, uh, what we're going to do if something arrives, and have a plan. Uh, give us an example of that. Sure. Well, an example is uh, a lot of organizations have what they call holding statements Okay, so for the media. So, for example, you would know that there could be uh, sexual abuse allegations. You would know someone could get physically hurt by another church member. Uh, and unfortunately, we know there's even these horrible situations, you know, where active shooters are becoming a reality. I mean, even myself, you know, uh, where I go to church, I just found out that the ushers just went through active shooter uh, preparation, which I thought, wow, how could that ever how could that ever be? So, for, so part of that is that you literally write out statements that the moment the phone would ring, you would say, okay, yes, we are aware of X situation. This is what we know so far, and this is how we're going to proceed so that you're not scrambling with a blank piece of paper to respond to a particular crisis. All right. So bring us to the gold. <laughs> okay. Well, well, the gold is probably – what um, I, I see a lot of people doing, you know, proactively, they're, they're not only having uh, the plan, but they're actually bringing it to the, the board of directors, the elders, and they're actually implementing the plan through a, a test run. You know, they're doing perhaps a two hour uh, workshop with the, uh, the leaders to explain what the crisis communications plan is, the hierarchy, how it will be managed. They're making sure that the front desk people know how to handle any kind of inquiries. They probably are asking their social media person to be monitoring comments on their uh, uh, Twitter or, or or Facebook page, and then uh, if they really want to do the gold, you know, super gold platinum, so to speak, is they're going to actually run it. You know, they're going to have something. They're going to make something up in the middle of the night. You know, they're going to say, you know, a, test run emergency. Right. They're going to do a test Everybody run emergency. Everybody wake up. It's three in the morning. <laughs> right. And we just found out that you know the uh, the head of the ushers board just punched out the senior pastor, and the police are at the at the church, and we just want to feel how we how do we want to communicate that. Wow. Okay. That that sounds like a great idea. Uh, let me add one other thing from a lawyer's perspective. Mm -hmm. Ahead of time, you should review your insurance mm -hmm. and see, does your insurance cover your board members? Does it cover uh, sexual misconduct? Does it cover uh, physical actions? And uh, try out some of these crises with your insurance uh, agent mm -hmm. And, and attorney reviewing your contract and seeing, are you covered? Well, uh, we will talk further with Tom Soselka, public relations specialist, about how to craft a crisis communications plan for your church or ministry. And specifically, we're going to talk about some of the crises that have occurred here in Illinois and how those have been addressed and whether... Uh, the right things were done at uh, Willow Creek or Harvest Bible or Moody Bible or the Catholic Church. I'm John Malk, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. We'll be right back with Tom Soselka, the founder and president of TC Public Relations.
Malkin Baker is nationally known for representing churches and religious institutions and is providing you with a free resource to help your church stay protected under the law. This church legal checklist is designed to help your church identify and assess general risks under Illinois law and is revised yearly to keep your church up to date. Go to malkbaker.com slash church legal to download your free copy of this easy to fill out 21 section resource that your church can review at monthly board meetings. We're speaking with Tom Soselka, founder and president of TC Public Relations. I'm John Malk, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Tom, before the break, we said we'd talk a little about the problems here in Chicago. A Harvest Bible Church, Willow Creek Church, Moody uh, Bible Institute, and of course the Catholic Church have all had huge crisis problems. Would you comment on what was done right in terms of responding and what you think uh, when the churches dropped the ball? Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, I think there are are really three different scenarios. So, for example, uh, when we look at Harvest, which is probably the most recent in in people's memory, uh, that was a case where they, they saw what was going wrong as far as administratively, and they moved relatively quickly to push it through the pipeline. So, for example, uh, I pretty much watched that play out through the Chicago Tribune. And probably within a week, it was it was out of the news. It started, it hit, it was gone. Uh, there wasn't a lot of backstory. And what did they do that, that moved that story along? Well, I think the fact that, uh, you know, uh, they decided to to move him out and change the leadership. The fact that they're also getting rid of uh, top leaders as well as uh, the senior pastor. That they really just there really was a sense of wanting to come clean, and people could say we're going to have a new house. It's going to hurt a little bit, but we want to have a clean house, and we did a, a good sweeping of that as opposed to the regime. Because you think about it, uh, let's put it this way: uh, even though you have highly influential uh, senior pastors, you still have a board, and hopefully there's some. Uh, regulations and rules that the board follows to keep things in line, but obviously it, it wasn't just the senior pastor with others in leadership uh, who weren't being effective. Now, if we move on, for example, to Willow Creek, you know, that is one where they decide to take about six months to eight months to pull the Band-Aid off, and that really hurt, particularly a- at the agonizing. end. Agonizing. Yeah, absolutely agonizing, uh, because they, they came out with a, a complete denial uh, the uh, examination was done by their uh, own attorneys. Uh, they basically cleared the matter uh, with the sexual impropriety with the senior pastor. But then as time went on, uh, more people came forward. And if you look look at the language that the senior pastor was using, particularly toward the end, saying, well, maybe I would have done some things differently and at the same time knew he had to resign, but didn't give that, quote, full confession. And I think there's a difference, you know, one of the things, John, you had asked about, what's the difference between crisis communications with, let's say, a secular approach with good ethic and moral values versus Christian? Well, I think the fact is, is that we are to be a light uh, to the world. And even when we sin, there's a better way to handle it. And again, I've not been in all the board meetings uh, at Willow Creek, but I certainly saw uh, how they slowly pulled off the band-aid. As you said, it was agonizing. And in the end, uh, created just that long-term effect of not getting in and out with the crisis, but having it linger. Um, if let's say, for example, right now, what's at the top of the news is the Catholic Church. Uh, we see some of their top leaders have been uh, judged to have committed uh, sexual impropriety, uh, even folks that you know work out of the Vatican. 
We find out that the Vatican doesn't even have its own rules about how to report <laughs> in addition to what's being done in the United States. Uh, but, you know, to the Pope's credit, he says, you know, we're going to, it's a big problem and we're going to address it in a big way. So in some ways, I would applaud the fact that he pretty much gave it what it needed, even though it was a long time coming. Well, there's, uh, yeah, a long time coming. There's 20 years right. or, or more mm -hmm. of uh, sexual scandals in, in the Catholic Church, probably, uh, in my recollection, about 30 years since things started being exposed uh, in various places, uh, all of which indicates that there was a lot of denial. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, years ago, on. yeah, years ago, I used to work with uh, Andrew Greeley, who some people might know, Father Andrew Greeley, who was kind of an interesting, colorful character in the Catholic Church, uh, who was also a, a novelist. And he tried to expose this, uh, as you said, probably about 20 years ago with some he of his writings. He was a priest. Yes, he was a, a priest. And a novelist. And a novelist. Yeah, he was, he was a pretty interesting character. But the point was, he had all the data, uh, and particularly what was going on in Boston, which was where the story first broke. And the leaders chose to remain, um, you know, deaf and dumb to, you know, what he was trying to say. Hey, let's do this. Uh, and unfortunately, it's only been in recent years, particularly now when the uh, attorney general in Pennsylvania and now obviously here in Illinois have done an examination of the Catholic archdiocese and what they've done and haven't done as far as, you know, coming, coming clean. But, you know, if you think about it, whether it's Willow Creek, whether it be evangelical or Catholic, you know, we see this in scripture that God often uses the what we might consider the unjust or the ungodly to judge the godly. And we see this with, with the Jews throughout the uh, Israelites in the Old Testament. So in some ways, when this stuff comes out, the bad stuff comes out in the secular media, uh, in some ways, I think from a spiritual perspective, uh, God is judging his church first and he's using the quote, what we might consider the ungodly mainstream media to do that. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk, partner of the law firm Malkin Baker. If you missed part of this episode or want to hear previous Lawyers for Jesus interviews, visit MalkBaker.com and tune into our podcast. There's some very interesting ones that you will find there. You can also subscribe to our Religious Liberty newsletter and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for legal updates with a biblical perspective. Uh, today, we're speaking with Tom Soselka of TC Public Relations about crisis communications. And, and Tom, uh, you said, well, come clean, uh, don't pull off the Band-Aid slowly, uh, but look look what's happened to the Catholic Church in terms of, well, multi-millions, possibly billions of dollars of damages. Uh, lawyers, of course, uh, want to speak the truth, but they don't want to expose their client to be getting clobbered. Is that just a price we need to pay in, in terms of uh, biblical honesty that uh, the lawyers should be overridden and everything should just be put out there? Yeah, well, I think we have to look to the scripture to give us an idea of what truth should or shouldn't be said. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, it, talks, uh, it talks about uh, sexual immorality uh, being reported among you and the kind that is not tolerated among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. So in responding to that, I think Scripture would tell us, you know, you remove the person and certainly do it with the uh, the dignity of, of how you would want to be treated. In Romans 8.1, it says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the point is, you still want to restore the, 
the brother or sister who has happened, who this has happened to. And so I know when you bring up the issue of uh, what the lawyers say and what your insurance company might say, remember, we are witnesses for Christ and the world is watching us. And if we are doing things according to the biblical standard, you're right, there might be a price to pay. I mean, isn't that what martyrdom is about, right? It's, it's, it's sticking up for your faith and there's a cost and sometimes it's your life. And sometimes it's going to be a bump in your insurance premium because you've done what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Or it's going to wipe out your endowment and you're going to lose your, your uh, church building and you're going to lose your summer camp and you're going to lose all of these things that do good for people um, simply because you decided to come clean. Right. And that's a huge consequence. I like mm -hmm. I like your mention of, of martyrdom. We have to die to ourselves and realize it's the Lord's church and not be deceived into the idea that, well, we have to protect the institution at all costs. Certainly protect the institution, but only with, with truth. Right. Don't let don't let the protection um, overwhelm the, the fact that you have to be truthful and honest and and deal fairly with the people that are uh, hurt. Right. Yeah. Often, and I guess I'm thinking mostly of the sexual scandals, but. Uh, uh, your advice applies to financial scandals. Uh, somebody's uh, stolen this or that. Uh, what do you do with church divisions? And when when a church is uh, in an internal fight, should that be aired? The dirty laundry uh, put out to the public? No, I, I, I my, my thought would be is that you know I think about it. Um, for example, one church leader might be slandered in the church or, or, or maybe it's libel. And then, you know, what comes to mind is first Peter three sixteen, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be, you know, put to shame. And in that case, it's, you're probably speaking the truth in love to those in the church who have come against you or who are creating this, you know, uh, division. The other thing I think first Timothy five nineteen tells us, uh, uh, do not omit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So you can follow that principle as well, that whatever you're dealing with internally is that it's going to have to be corroborated and, 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 and established what, what did happen, and then obviously move on with the, you know, the communications part of it. All right, Tom. Well, then let's close with this. We've got a lot of people who aren't elders, who aren't pastors or lawyers, but what can the average church member and attendee do? They have a role. Oh, what is God's role for them when their church is in crisis? Well, they could listen to James when he talks about the power of the tongue. In this case, it's, it's not the power of the tongue, it's the power of the tweet. And they, they need to stop and examine themselves as far as when they see something that's wrong in the church, to what extent are they going to handle it? So if they're going to follow the biblical principle of first going to the person who has offended them, and then if that doesn't work, going to the leaders and then moving on up the, the chain before making something public. And I'm going to add prayer and fasting because this is spiritual warfare. Tom, thank you for speaking with us today. How can people learn more about your company and how to draft a crisis communications plan for their church? Sure. Well, they can certainly go to our website, which is tcpr.net, like topcatpr uh, net. Uh, certainly welcome to give us a call at 312-422-1333. Uh, happy to offer uh, some uh, initial consultation if somebody has a question. Well, if you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at 
Malk and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. Visit our website. Thanks for listening. I'm John Malk, partner at Malk and Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. have to serve somebody Yes indeed You're gonna have to serve somebody 